We want to welcome you back to another FreightWaves Enterprise Fleet Summit Fireside Chat. Happy to have you here. My name is Joe Anishak. I'm the Senior Editorial Researcher here at FreightWaves, and I'm joined now by Mike Hayden, Vice President of Transportation at NFI. Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Joe. Excited. So today we're going to talk all about driver recruitment and retention strategy, but before we do, could you give us a little background about your time uh, in the industry, Mike? I know you've kind of worked your way up the ranks at NFI. Yeah, sure have. So um, I've actually grown up in the industry. So I'm both the uh, the son and grandson of truck drivers. Uh, so I can tell you, I've uh, probably been in and around trucks going on ride-alongs with my dad and my grandfather since I was five years old. So um, I have a true appreciation for drivers, the challenges that they encounter on the roads, um, you know, what it's like to be an owner-operator. My grandfather was a, a fleet owner. So um, growing up in the industry, it was, uh, it was almost destiny that I was going to end up in the industry. So, um, out of school, I uh, ended up at NFI. It was something I was very comfortable with getting a job in transportation. And, uh, they were hiring in my home state of New Jersey, which is where I was looking to get back to after school. Um, so joined the organization just, uh, just about 20 years ago, had an opportunity to, to work my way up as NFI continued to grow. Um, just was able to take on more responsibilities and kind of expand my skill sets, uh, grow into different functional areas. Uh, worked my way up to, uh, to a, a VP role. Uh, so I've had the opportunity to oversee both um, front office operations, P&L responsibilities, et cetera, as well as uh, back office departments, which is what I largely oversee today. Yeah, so uh, someone who's like a multi-generational uh, industry uh, person, do you have like a first memory of being inside a truck? So I've got several. Um, so it was exciting. So I'm from northern New Jersey. Um, so my dad growing up actually mostly drove U.S. mail routes uh, in and around North Jersey and New York City. So um, it was pretty exciting growing up. I was in and out of the Bronx, uh, in and out of some of the bulk mail centers just outside of JFK growing up. Um, some of the bulk mail centers there in uh, in North Jersey. And it was uh, it was actually pretty exciting for uh, for several years. NFI was actually doing those same routes that I had done ride-alongs with my dad when I was a little kid. So um, when we started doing those routes, it was uh, it was definitely something to remember. That's very cool. So so the industry has taken you all around, and just recently uh, I took you to the White House. Can you talk a little bit about what was going on there and what what uh, what you were doing there? Yeah, you bet. And you know, to to call it a celebration would be an understatement for me. So. Um, you know, we were very excited to have the opportunity to tell the story of one of our driver apprentices, Maria Rodriguez, and, and her journey to how she got where she was. And it's, it's a tremendous story. Um, so the opportunity to be a part of that at the White House, um, showcasing what we've done as an industry in, in the apprenticeship programs. Um, and, you know, with Maria's story, ideally continuing to break down barriers and those barriers of entry for uh, our women drivers coming into the industry. I think there's a great opportunity to celebrate that. So uh, it was a tremendous day for the industry. It was a tremendous day for Maria and uh, and telling her story and just a tremendous day for driver apprenticeships and, and more importantly, women drivers. Yeah, that is, that's, that's very, very cool. Um, and actually, that's that's a very good lead in now to kind of the meat of our conversation. 
Um, so we want to start talking about recruitment and uh, retention now. And so um, over the course of the pandemic over the last couple of years, I know that um, that's really tightened sort of the driver labor market even further beyond what it was before for companies. So um, is there any time during your career that you can uh, sort of compare this time to? Does it feel like any other time? So in a lot of ways, I feel like the last couple of years have has been unprecedented. You know, we, we got a, a glimpse of this back in 2018 when the market tightened quite a bit, um, but it's nothing like what we've seen in the last couple of years. You know, the, the challenges and bottlenecks we've seen over the course of the pandemic, I don't recall seeing in my career. When you go back and, and you really look at what happened with a lot of the driving schools that either closed shop or were operating at a limited capacity, um, you know, delays at the, the state motor vehicle licensing offices, um, the introduction of the clearinghouse and, and the fact that we ended up disqualifying a, a large swath of drivers with the clearinghouse. And, you know, rightfully so. But at the same time, it was definitely, you know, one of the industry headwinds over that time. Um, you know, there was changes in how people were, were consuming, right, which had this boom in the courier segment where, you know, you saw the courier segment rise by over 25% in their employment since pre-pandemic levels. You know, we haven't had a, a challenge um, for, for drivers like that, at, at least that I can remember. Um, you know, add on top of that, the, the driver pay volatility, you know, drivers moving around when they see these significant shifts in the markets that they work in. And, and these shifts aren't the two cents, three cents, four cents a mile. I mean, we're seeing, you know, shifts of 10, 15, $20,000 a year. Um, heck, just this morning, I saw a, a press release come from the, the Walmart private fleet where they're advertising now that they're increasing pay and the expected earnings are upwards of $110,000. I mean, even that is a, a yet another seismic shift that we're seeing. You know, and at the same time, you know, with all of this compression in the market, we saw so many drivers um, flock to the spot market that we hadn't seen previously. You know, you see a lot of that in just the, the sheer number of new authority registrations. You know, all of those drivers trying to, to work the spot market, uh, partnering on with these uh, independent freight dispatchers, which have really taken off over the last uh, last couple of years. You know, it's it's created some pretty unique headwinds that I don't recall seeing. Yeah. So what has been NFI's kind of big picture strategy to, to recruit and retain drivers? So for NFI, our asset transportation operations primarily just focus on dedicated contract carriage and intermodal drayage. Uh, we don't do a lot of irregular route, long haul truckload like we did, you know, many, many moons ago. So with that, we, we get to focus quite a bit on the, the types of jobs that we want for our drivers. So, you know, with that said, our approach really all starts with the jobs themselves. You have to have the types of jobs that drivers want to do. And those jobs, they, they need to pay well. The drivers need to be treated well with anybody they interact with, whether that's with NFI folks, customer folks, you know, anybody that they're going to be interacting with is part of that job. You know, taking a, a quick step back and looking at that recruiting approach, um, you know, one of our recruiting directors was just at Matt's and, and part of a discussion panel down there. And you heard the White House allude to it. 
on, on Monday. And heck, there was even uh, an HBO program that talked about Sunday evening, the hundreds of thousands of drivers that are leaving this industry every year. You know, in, in order to stop this churn, we, we have to really focus on making these jobs, jobs that people want. So, you know, with that, we put a lot of emphasis on, you know, what is the job? What is the value proposition of that job? Um, you know, whether it's the, the shifts, the schedules, the pay, or just the culture of the people that they're going to interact with, because that goes a very long way. Yeah. So, and, and I'm sure NFI's reputation, you know, with drivers kind of precedes itself. Right. Um, now in terms of like specific outreach efforts, have you found, um, uh, more success with certain methods like you know, is it Indeed or like, do you use a third party to generate leads? Um, are you able to, to talk about that even? Yeah, uh, sure, Ken. And we we absolutely partner with uh, a lot of the job boards that are out there and some of the media providers that are out there. Um, and we, we largely partner directly with many of them. Um, but, but I'll tell you, for all of the advertising efforts that are out there, for all of the, the media partnerships that are out there, um, you know, what, what we really try to hone in on is, you know, we could do all the advertising in the world, but if you don't have a good job, if you don't have a, something good to offer, people aren't going to apply. You know, if, if the right job and the right pay and the right markets aren't presented, it doesn't matter what media providers you're working with. It doesn't matter if you're using social media or Indeed or, you know, any of the, the the newer folks that are out there, the CDL lives and career now brands and all of these folks, it, it all comes back to that job itself. Um, the job has got to be set right for the drivers that are operating within that marketplace. You, you have to be able to articulate your value proposition and that needs to come through in whatever media that that driver is consuming. And if it doesn't, you know, you could spend all the money in the world and post your job to every job board that's out there and, you know, have sponsored posts on every social media channel that people aren't going to apply. I think that's a really great point. You know, it's like you can only sort of game it out so far, but you got to have quality at the end of the road or else, you know, you're going to falter. Um, so do you have plans, uh, does NFI have plans to sort of um, go further with these strategies? Are you going to be adding uh, more incentives, raising pay in the near future? What's, uh, what's on the horizon? So we, we continue to evaluate and look to improve on anything and everything that we're doing. So, you know, one of the, the key things I'll call out, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely recognize some of the, the driver feedback platforms that are out there, whether it's the, the work counts and work steps or, you know, some of the things I know NFI and some of our peers have definitely done in the industry to make sure we're soliciting that driver feedback. You know, that driver feedback it is critical in making sure that you are improving what your value prop and what your offering is for your drivers. So you could have a great job and you could have a great W-2 and the schedule's great, but you know, if your drivers are unhappy with your holiday pay or your vacation pay or vacation policies, you know, these things are, are going to work against you. So, you know, the, the biggest thing I'll say that we're going to continue to do to, to make progress um, is just listen to the feedback that we have from our drivers, whether it's coming across one of these feedback platforms or direct feedback that we get. You know, as we get that feedback, we're constantly evaluating that 
understanding what, what really matters to our drivers. And for those things that really matter, we're looking to impact them. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, that's also a really great point. So how do you make sure that the drivers feel like there is an, an open and honest line of communication between them and management, you know, so that they can air out any grievances they have and, you know, things can improve for, for both parties? So it, it's, it's all about action and sense of urgency, right? Drivers want to know that when they're providing feedback, it's not falling on deaf ears, right? It's not feedback that they're providing on a platform that no one's looking at or no one's going to take action on. So, you know, that's why the, the implementation of these feedback platforms and feedback loops uh, are critical to, to make sure that you have that follow-up protocol in place, right? Because if the drivers are, you know, giving you that feedback and you're not taking action on it, they're going to stop giving you feedback because they feel like it's falling on deaf ears. So, you know, it all comes back to, you know, you have to, to take action on that feedback and you have to treat it with a sense of urgency, even if it's just following back up and addressing head on what the issue is. And you may not have an immediate answer for it, but you still have to treat that with that sense of urgency and, and show the drivers that you want to do something about it and you're you're attempting to do something about it. Yeah, I feel like showing that level of respect can really go go a long way for sure. Um, okay, so so moving on to more kind of like macro condition type stuff. Um, in your opinion, where do you think we are in the freight market cycle? And the reason why I ask is because there, there's been a lot of stuff swirling. I'm sure you've you've kind of seen it uh, throughout the industry that. Um, you know, maybe we have we have peaked and are now uh, in for a, a freight recession of sorts. Um, that's been at least the the take of uh, the FreightWave CEO Craig Fuller, um, who has been writing a lot recently about uh, potential trouble for carriers that have overextended themselves uh, in the boom market. So, um, what's your take on all that? So it, it's a great question, and by no means I don't pretend to be an economist, but you know, there are quite a few signs that are out there. You can, you know, easily take a look at outbound tender rejection rates. You can look at the Dow Transportation Index, the DAD truckload spot rates. You know, all of these things are, are pointing in a direction that, you know, in all honesty, we probably finally hit that plateau and we're seeing that correction. You know, we, we couldn't continue to, to run on this market at the same pace that we've been for the last two years. So it was inevitable that things are going to plateau or correct at some point. You know, that said, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this transpires over the next, you know, 12, 18, 24 months, because, you know, some of the things that are still major challenges in the industries, you know, we are still dealing with elevated costs of services in transportation. Um, you know, equipment costs, whether it's, you know, equipment coming in from OEMs or uh, maintenance costs are still elevated. Fuel is still elevated. The cost of labor is still elevated over where it was, um, you know, a couple of years ago. So it is going to be interesting to see, you know, what this means for for some of the folks that are out there where you still have these elevated costs that um, are not going through the same plateau or correction that we see where, you know, spot load, uh, truckload rates are going or spot truckload rates are going, you know, but that said, you know, with NFI primarily focusing on dedicated contract carriage and um, intermodal drayage, you know, we're in a little bit different of a spot where uh, for our asset-based operations, we don't see the same market volatilities that you do in 
the, the truckload markets. Um, but it's definitely going to have an impact on how shippers buy. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That, that would be, an, I think, a, a nice bit of insulation from, from volatility. Um, so uh, with all that in mind, is that influencing the way NFI recruits and retains right now? I mean, have you started considering that in, in your kind of medium to longer term plans or is, is that still too far out? So in, in dedicated contract carriage, we don't do any type of speculative recruiting. You know, our recruiting is always against, you know, contracted freight needs that we have with our DCC customers or our, our intermodal drayage customers. So, you know, for us, we, we plan on staying the course. And as we continue to, to onboard new dedicated customers and, and new contracted drayage customers, you know, we're going to build our driver base around that dedicated business. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, this time next year, do you think uh, the market for drivers is going to have changed? So I, I do think there's still going to be a significant demand for drivers. Um, you know, we still have too many drivers exiting the industry because their first year experience, especially the ones coming out of apprenticeships, are not what they should be. Um, so we're still going to have this large need to be replenishing drivers that are leaving the industry, whether it's the ones that are leaving, you know, on their own or leaving through retirement. So, you know, I still think there's going to be some significant demand that's out there. Um, I do think there's going to be um, plenty to be seen with how shippers may change their, their buying patterns and how that plays into the individual driver markets across the country. Um, but at the same time, I, I do still think labor rates will continue to be elevated. I do still think drivers are going to be in demand at least over the next you know, 12, 18, 24 months. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, well, Mike, we're, we're kind of in that, that last bit of time here. Is there anything you want to touch on that we haven't touched on yet? Uh, just to, to allude to um, what I spoke about earlier with uh, coming out of Monday's presentations at the White House, I, I do still think this is a great time to be in this industry. I do still think this is a great time for drivers coming into the industry because the job is becoming so much better than you know what we've seen in, in prior years. Um, so I'm excited to see what the, the next year, year plus are going to look like, especially as we continue to, to break down some of those barriers, uh, especially for women entering the industry. I think it's going to be a great time. That's great stuff. And if people want to get in, in uh, contact with you, how can they do that? Yep. So uh, definitely visit NFIindustries.com. Um, you can find all of our contact information on there. Uh, happy to, uh, to touch base with anyone. You could also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's a great way to reach out. Perfect. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, thanks to everyone watching. Stay tuned for more from the Enterprise Fleet Summit and stay well.